And so, um, talks about, we were talking about extraordinary love this morning. And of course, this is the extraordinary love class. And by the way, I didn't introduce my wife and myself. Uh, I'm Bill Shutt, and this is my wife, Nikki. And uh, this August the 8th, we'll be married for 20 years. And so excited about that. And so we, we feel as if we're still within our first five years of marriage, though. It's still fresh. It's still on fire. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but First John chapter four, and we'll talk about love this morning. <clears throat> so, can you all hear me in the back? Okay, Christian, can you hear me? Okay, Danny, can you hear me? Okay. First uh, John four, and uh, says this in verse number seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. Now understand this, it says this, that um, we love one another, and that this love is of who? It's of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. So in other words, this, in order to really have this extraordinary love, uh, we, have to, we have to know where the love comes from. We have to know the source of the love, and you have to be born of God, the Bible says, which means this. You have to know Jesus Christ. It all starts with your faith in Jesus Christ. And I trust that I know most of you here today, uh, and you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So as we start in this whole series of lessons about marriages and homes and whatnot, we have to start with the foundation. The premise is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if you say, Pastor, I do know Jesus Christ as my Savior, Raise your hand this morning. You know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, man. Praise God. So I think in the entire class, we're pretty much uh, all in agreement with our founding faith. Vitally important. And so now, <clears throat> let's build on that a little bit, okay? So everyone that, that loveth is born of God. And the very next statement is this, and what? Knoweth God. You see that verse, verse number seven. Loveth God, or is born of God, and knoweth God. So here's the next step, and that is this. The more that I get to know God, the more I get to know love. And the more I get to know what love is by knowing God, then I can truly have the biblical and godly type of love for my spouse. And further beyond that, all relationships and kids and whatnot. And so, very important. Many people think this, that as they start out in their marriage, as long as I got a date night, and as long as I spend time with my spouse, and as long as we can connect, we're going to be all right. And that is a lie. That is not true. Because you can have a date night and try to connect and do all those other things, which I'm going to teach about down the road. We have to build upon this relationship of marriage and to realize that, man, if I don't have my walk with God right, if I'm not, if I don't know God on a very intimate level, if I don't have a fervent prayer life, and God is not able to reveal to me what his love is, you know, to me in my heart, then I'm going to really struggle with biblically loving my spouse. Now, I want to open this up and just say this. Um, my wife and I got married on August 8th of 1998. Besides my salvation when I was five years of age and a Ford, Besides my salvation at five years of age, that was the greatest day of my entire life. August the 8th of 1998. 
The second greatest, apart from, apart from my salvation, the second greatest day in my entire life was the August the 8th of 1999. It was my first year wedding anniversary. I'm telling you, I was, I was, I was so excited. We had actually, now see, I don't know if you all do this now, but this is 20 years ago, but you know, you used to have the triple layer, the quadruple layer, sometimes you go five layers of cakes, you know, big, boo, boo, doo, 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 you know, that's what I'm talking about. Do y'all still do that? I haven't seen that too much, but do y'all still do that? You do? Okay. So anyhow, but I guess tradition says you save the very top one, you know, for the first year anniversary, you freeze it, and you take it back out, and you cut it on the first year. How know what I'm talking about. So we did that. So we froze this thing, and man, we brought that thing back out on our, man, August the 8th of 1999. I was pumped. Man, this thing had like all this ice all over it, you know, and it was like nasty. Anyway, <laughs> but it didn't matter because, man, I'm with my wife. We're in our trailer. We're, we're loving life. Uh, I'm, I'm living where I grew up there in, uh, you know, Gary, Indiana was where we were at at that time. And I was raised in Hammond, Indiana, and we were, <clears throat> this was, this was fantastic. And uh, so I had my parents next to me, and the school I was raised in, the church I was raised in. My wife was pulled away uh, from this church. Her dad pastored this church, and she was raised in this church. But I was the bum who had pulled her away from her home and pulled her away from her church and all her friends that were still back here. Anyhow, so we were in this trailer, and she was in her senior year of college. She had just, she would just have graduated, but I, first year of marriage, we were, I had just graduated, put her through her senior year, she graduated. And so I had a speech, I had all this speech. She was homesick. And I said, this is the best year of my life. I cannot believe that God has allowed me to be married, married to you. How many of you guys have ever made this speech? If you haven't, you need to. No, anyway. Uh, so this is the best year of my life. I cannot believe that God has allowed me to be married to you. You're the prettiest woman on the face of the planet. This is incredible. This is, a, this is just an incredible, enormous day. This is absolute. And I just went on and on and on and on. You know, all my, what we call, shut-isms of all the wonderful, extravagant adjectives, adjectives, adjectives. I got done and, you know, in marriage you have these expectations that if you give a speech, she should give a speech. And so I'm waiting for this speech to be made. And she just looks at me and she starts to cry. And I thought these were tears of, of over, being overjoyed. I just thought she was so elated of her first year of marriage. This is the best thing ever. She starts crying. What's the matter, babe? This has been the worst year of my entire life. That's <laughs> <It was> awful. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was awful. If you've married for any length of time, you've had those moments. I pray you don't, but you might. There was a lot of things involved, you know, her health was not good, and there was a lot of stuff involved. But for sure, when you get married, it is a big transition. And the things that I thought that I know what love is, and 
I realized I didn't know what love was. Um, took me a while, while to figure that out. So let me just give you a thought. Let me, give, let me explain this word extraordinary. Let me give you just a Noah Webster's definition of this word extraordinary, and that's this. Uh, <clears throat> beyond or out of the common order or method, not in the usual, customary or regular course, it's not ordinary, okay, which means this. This extraordinary thing that we're going to be talking about, this extraordinary love, is something that is not normal. It is not usual. It is above the norm. Here's another definition. Uh, it's on there. Exceeding the common degree or measure, which means this. This is a love that is going to exceed what maybe typical marriages have. And so maybe you have observed a marriage, uh, maybe your parents' marriage, or maybe you have observed uh, your friend's marriage, and you say, okay, we can maybe base our love for each other off of them. That's a big mistake. You don't want to base your marriage off of somebody else's marriage or even your parents' marriage. You want to base your marriage off of the Word of God and off of the love that God is going to give you that is not common, that is above the norm, that is exceeding above that we could ever ask or think. So, Pastor, is that really possible? Can we really have that type of a love? Is it, I mean, can we be fervent for each other? Yes, absolutely, positively. But I want to say this. It's going to take both. It takes, if, one, if, if half of the marriage is working at this walk with God thing, then the marriage is going to be good. If both are working at this and both are striving with the Lord Jesus Christ, then more than likely the marriage is going to be great. It's going to be extraordinary. It's going to be above the norm. And everybody wants to know, how can I exceed? Just like anything else, it takes a lot of work. A lot of work. Listen, I'm, I'm looking here at, at uh, many of you and uh, many of you have counseled. Uh, many of you, we've had premarital counseling appointments. We've had postmarital counseling appointments for many different reasons. But I will say this: in most cases, just like on my first year anniversary, there's struggles, there's hardships, there's disagreements. And listen, you can be married for a short period of time, and there's already hurt. There's already hurt. And as a pastor, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this class was because of the hurt that's already in young couples. Because of the stress that's already in young couples. Because of the fractured relationships that's already, the, the expectations that you thought you were going to have in your marriage, and they did not fulfill those expectations. And you're thinking, I'm sort of stuck, or man, I, I don't know if I should have done this, I don't know about this, I don't know about that. And let me encourage you that this class is a class that's going to strengthen that relationship. It's going to give biblical principles to be able to have a marriage, Lord willing and God willing, to last a lifetime. Regardless of what your stage is in life, we have different stages in life, and regardless of what your background is, I believe that right now the marriage that you're in, God is going to, God wants it to last a lifetime. And so we're going to get into these different points about that. So, all right. So, um, anyway, go back to 1 John 4 there. 
Man, there's a lot to be said. This is going to take me two or three weeks to get through this one lesson. I, I know it. First uh, John, look back at verse number four. I'm sorry, chapter four, verse number eight. He that loveth, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is what? Love. Say it with me. God is love. Now, does it say God has love? No. God is. Which means this is his very being. This is his very essence. Which means this. If I'm going to get to know love, I must know God. I must. If I, if I, here, here, I'll have to give this next week. It's not, it's not in the notes. But the, the, one of the definitions of love, I'll give it to you next week. But the, one of the definitions of love is this. Is being able to love somebody else with expecting nothing in return. To give something of yourself and expecting nothing in return. It's called unconditional, agape love. Which means this, it's unconditional love, which means I'm going to love my spouse in an extraordinary way that's above the norm. I'm going to love my spouse and expect nothing in return. That is extremely hard. You say, oh, that sounds good. Wait till she tells you that you're a lazy, good-for-nothing piece of trash. Go ahead and love her then. Go ahead and, and, and you know, vacuum for her and cook for her and do all that stuff. When she's, when she's nailing you on, on the, I mean, just, just pummeling you with, with words. Ma'am, when he starts looking elsewhere and he is, his heart is drifting away from you, and you still are going to love him and still going to give yourself to him and all those things. And you say, man, Pastor, I, I, there's no way. How can I do that? This is called an unconditional love. When he starts to put you down and he starts to say things that are not very nice to you and he maybe makes fun of you or maybe he does things to you and just the flesh kicks in and all of a sudden now, I, as, the, as the wife... I'm going to just treat him like I always do in an extraordinary way. How is that possible? And this is where we're going. Because the more that I get to know God and understand how God has set up the marriage and how God wants me to love, then I understand that I can have an extraordinary marriage. And when both of the spouses are working at this, it makes it for a great marriage. And there's a fight. The biggest thing you're going to fight is your flesh. You're going to fight your flesh like really, really bad. It's going to be so, when your feelings get hurt, now listen, I'm not going to have you raise your hands because it'll be, you know, self-incrimination here. But I can guarantee you that just about everybody here, if you've been married for a length of time, your feelings have been hurt within your own marriage. And can I encourage you, and that is this, God's going to give you a love. You're going to, you're going to be able to receive a love from the Lord Jesus Christ that will enable you to forgive enable you to to not only forgive but also to give in the marriage and to be able to strengthen the marriage and we'll talk a lot, lot more about that as we go on through this but let me let me just show, show this and that is um the purpose go back to genesis chapter 2 the purpose uh purpose of the love genesis 2 and we're going to look at verse number 18 genesis 2 and 18 and Here's God setting up this whole marriage. Now, so you should know this. Who is the very first couple in the Bible? First marriage was who? Adam and Eve. Very good. So here's Adam and Eve. God makes Adam out of the dust of the 
ground and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul and here's an interesting note and that is this is um, God is giving Adam all this um, amazingness let me know what's 1025 uh, God is giving all this amazingness to Adam he's going to name all the animals he's going to uh, do all these wonderful things and and honestly, God made Adam, he, he, without sin, he, he, he was perfect to this point, a complete being, walked with the Lord Jesus Christ, had fellowship with, Lord, with, uh, with, with, with God. But yet, if you study this, Adam, Adam was still lonely. He said, Pastor, but, 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 he, but he had God. But the Bible says, that it's not good for man to be alone. So therefore, he was, he was still lonely. And so God puts Adam into a deep sleep, you know the story, takes a rib. The interesting thing, though, is that even though Adam had fellowship with God, God still realized that he was lonely, and man needed a companion. And so this is the beauty of the relationship, that yes, we walk with God, but God has instituted marriage to complete the package so you're here today, listen, God puts you two together. So God, God put Adam and Eve together. Now watch this. Uh, we're, we're at Genesis 2 and... Um, okay, where am I at here? I get, I get all caught up into this stuff. Yeah, 18, there it is. Is that good that man should be alone? I will make him and help me for him. Uh, and then go down to verse number 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. So let me give you number one. That is this. The purpose of marriage. Let me just say this. The purpose of marriage. Uh, God designed marriage for a reason. And letter A in that is this. Companionship. Companionship. Whosoever, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Uh, he, he designed us to have companionship. He wants you to, to get together. But you have to understand, this companionship has a has a um, has a foundation and that foundation is the love of God that foundation is getting to know God when my wife and I we built a house oh that was what babe 10 years ago over 10 years ago now we built a house cleared a piece of land off and some acreage dug a foundation put in these superior walls and uh, and had a, I had a guy come in to do put the put the sill plates on the on the top of the foundation, and he's supposed to bolt the sill plate into the foundation. Then you build your, your deck on top of that, and etc. 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 Two story home. The whole whole two stories are up. Uh, roof is on. Shingles are on. It's all good to go. <clears throat> um, and then the guy comes to backfill. And so, you know, we dig out the foundation, put the walls in and out, and then he comes in the backfill. So the guy comes in, he's exca you know, the excavator, comes back in, and he's backfilling the, the entire house. The very next day, I go back into the basement. One of my walls, foundation walls, had caved in about a foot. Now, if you've ever done any construction, that is absolutely tragic like beyond words like your house is done like two st thousands and thousands of dollars out the window like it's over 
It's done. I thought to myself, how did this happen? How in the world did this happen? So I call, and I'm, looking, I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm looking at the sill plates, and would you believe the man that was supposed to have put the bolts from the sill plate into the foundation, the, 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 the concrete wall, which that is, that, that bolt, what time is it? Are you good? That bolt holds the whole entire house, because you build your deck off the sill plate, holds the entire house onto your foundation. I go up there. There's not one bolt in all of my sill plates. And I'm getting a little hot right now. I'm thinking, you, whoa, I was hot. And I was like, I called that guy. I said, you didn't put one bolt, not one bolt in this entire foundation. And my walls cracked, caving in. I want to lose my, what are you doing? And so anyway, long story. I lost my flesh. Lost to my flesh, I should say. And uh, it was not a good situation. But how many of you can understand maybe a little bit of rage involved there? And uh, it was not good. Well, the guy comes back, and long story short, he fixes it. It's fine. It's still standing today, and it's all good. But needless to say, I sold the house because I didn't want to live there. <laughs> good luck, Mark. <laughs> now, let's think about this. One fella missed one instruction, devastated the entire house. You understand this? As we give instructions here, and I'm going to get into some biblical instructions. One person misses just one thing of the instructions of God and forgets that step to put the bolts in from the sill plate onto the foundation. And you're going to start building this entire structure. But if that foundation is not secured properly to the structure of the home, then my friend, the companionship's known and void. Uh, everything's going to start to crumble because that foundation's going to crumble in. And that foundation, again, First John 4, is knowing God. It's knowing God. You've got to have a walk with God. Have your time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're going to get into that stuff in a little bit. So anyway. All right. Let it be that is this. Completion. Completion. In Genesis 2.20, it says this, Genesis 2.20, it says this, And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help me for him. So here's what he's saying. He said, listen, um, there's not found somebody for him. So then he makes Eve, but he was looking around and says, man, even though Adam had God, he was not complete. And when God gives you your spouse, it goes both ways. God made Eve for Adam, and so when God, they, they were complete in each other. And so I will make a help meet for him. That word help meet literally means an encourager, which that's it's in there, uh, an encourager. And so he makes her to be a help meet. You're going to encourage him, and they complete each other. Now here's what I want you to understand. Part of the foundational process, and that is to understand this, God has made you to be a companion for one another. God has made you to complete one another, which means this. Understand that there's going to be weaknesses in your spouse that God has made you to complete. But I don't like that about her. 
Well, God is going to make you to help her in loving her through those weaknesses. Pastor, I don't like that weakness about him. It could be a sin. It could be an issue. It could be whatever. God has made you to complete him. He's made you to love him. He's made you to encourage him. He's made you to fulfill him. And he's going to make this thing a complete package. I just want to say this. and I'll stand there that day on August the 8th of 1999. That first year wedding anniversary. My wife had declared and proclaimed that it was the worst year of her life. What does a husband do at that point? I'm an epic failure. I'm a loser. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a husband that you know, you know. It's just I wasn't because I know I'm not. But uh, <laughs> but these are thoughts that you know flow through your mind. But as I look back on that, it's not what she meant. She just meant that she had a lot of hurt. She didn't know how to say it. We're just kind of dumb. I married her when she, right when she was 19. She turned 20 August 7th, and I married her August the 8th. She was young. So was I. We were young and dumb. Still are. Now, no, we're young, we were dumb. But we were young and dumb. She didn't know what she was saying. I didn't know what I was saying. We didn't know how to, how to communicate very well. We struggled with it. And you say things that you don't really mean, but you say them anyway. It's like, man, I got thinking about this. God made us to love the Lord Jesus, and God made us to complete and could be companions. But understand, as you go through this marriage, can I just encourage you to, to prepare yourself that she might say or he might say something that might be a little bit hurtful. It might not be intentional, but it could be hurtful. And prepare yourself now that you're going to decide now to love her, love him, the way that God would. I was thinking about this and how God, how God has loved me. How many of you say here, say, Pastor, I have, I really, I really sinned against God before in my life. Have you ever, ever turned your back against God? Would you raise your hand? You ever done that before? The other time God betrayed God, and he's still forgiven me, He still loved me. You know how many times... In a marriage, you might feel hurt. Maybe he's done something or she's done something against you. And man, but because you know him and you walk with the Lord, you have resolved in your heart right now that I'm going to love her and love him regardless of what happens. If you're my premarital, and man, some of you have been in there in my in my office. And one of the questions I'll ask in that is this. Before you get married, is there anything that if you, if, if she were to do something to you or he was going to do something to you, betrayal or a sin or whatever, there's anything that would break up your marriage, you need to tell him before, before you get married. If there's a deal breaker, let that person know before you get married. But on the flip side of that statement, I say this, but God has given you a love to be able to forgive any sin. In the beginning, the Bible says divorce was not so. 
And so, which means this, because of the hardness of their hearts, God granted them a bill of divorcement, which means this, God never intended, and I said it before, Adam and Eve were the only ones, male or female, singular, no other option. God's telling them, listen, I made you two complete for each other. Nobody else is going to complete you the way your spouse is going to complete you. I made you, Adam and Eve, to be companions for each other. Nobody else is to be your companion except him and except her. There's no other option. I've made this, and I'm going to give you everything you need. If you get to know me, I'll give you everything you need to love. I'll give you everything you need to forgive. I'll give you everything you need to be patient. I'll give you everything you need to, to be long-suffering, all the fruit of the Spirit, to have joy and peace in your marriage and the grace of God. All those things come when you know Him. Know Him in His Word. Have that walk with God, that fervent prayer life. And we're going to talk more about how couples are going to be able to walk with God together and be able to pray together because this completes the companion package and completes the complete package as far as being able to spiritually join together as a, as a married couple, also if you've got kids and whatnot, but also involving your kids and how you can raise your kids and be spiritual, all those things, and fantastic. Okay, number two. Don't forget my time. Number two. I'm way past? Huh. When you, the bell rang, I thought you meant, I thought that's when you knew it was 10.34. What time is it? 10.34. Oh, my goodness. I got to preach. Okay. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray you help us this morning. Lord, I'm so grateful for this class, grateful for these, these couples. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless them. Help us, Lord, as we just kind of introduce this lesson introduce this series about extraordinary love marriages and Lord I pray that you would just help us Lord Jesus Lord I know these couples are hungry I know these couples are wanting something from you Jesus Lord they want the truth Lord they want they want to build their homes on the right foundation Lord thank you for loving us and thank you for saving us Lord, thank you for giving us the spouse that is going to be our companions in this life, to complete us in this life, to encourage us in this life, to love us in this life. Lord, may it strengthen each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. All right, Steve, I'm sorry about that. And uh, All right, go ahead, Steve.